You may be seated. exactly when Christ will return, but it could happen at any time, and every second brings us closer to it. That's why it's important for Christians to live every day as though it's our last day on earth. This is what I have done every day for the last three months. Wake up early, eat ice cream for breakfast, skip work, because who wants to work on their last day on earth? Tell my landlord that I don't have the rent, but it doesn't matter because Jesus is coming today. Call all my non-Christian friends and tell them each goodbye and tell them to send me a postcard from hell get dressed up in my nicest suit, and climb up on the roof with a big sign that says, Welcome, Jesus, and wait for the special moment to come. I do this every day, and even though my landlord is suing me, I've lost my job, and my non-Christian friends block my calls, I truly live every day as though it's my last. These have been Deep Thoughts from a Shallow Christian. So we're continuing in our series called Prove It. Uh, We've covered topics in this series like, is there proof that God exists? Is there proof that the Bible is the Word of God? Did Jesus rise from the dead? All of which are available free of charge on our website or through our app. Now today our topic is, is the second second coming of Jesus Christ near? I'm getting slapped back, guys. So uh, let's jump in, first of all, looking at uh, reasons to believe in the second coming of Christ. Why, Why should we believe in the second coming at all? Well, number one, we believe in the second coming because of the reliability of the Bible. Now, in week two of this series, we talked about the fact that the fingerprints of God are all over this book. Uh, There's great evidence that this is a unique book written by human authors, inspired by God in every single word they wrote. Just as Paul describes in his second letter to Timothy, 2 Timothy 3.16, he writes, all scripture is inspired by God. That is, it's breathed out by God. It's useful for teaching truth, rebuking wrongdoing, correcting error, and for providing instruction or training in how to live right. So listen, if we don't believe in the return of Christ, we might as well just throw this thing away. The return of Christ is mentioned over 300 times in over 20 books of the New Testament. Christ himself spoke more about his second coming than he did about his resurrection. So in the very last chapter of the Bible, the Revelation of John, three times Jesus says this. He says, I am coming back soon. Now that could also be translated, I'm coming back suddenly. But I'm coming back soon. I'm coming back soon. I'm coming back soon. What do you think Jesus was trying to say here? I am. (laughs) You don't have to be shy. Turn to the person next to you and say, he's coming back soon. All right. You know, with the same confidence, let's see if you're sharp this morning, with the same confidence with which we say Christ is risen, risen so weak, (laughs) with the same confidence with which we say Christ is risen, risen we should say Christ is returning, (laughs) 
Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. Christ is returning. He is returning indeed. Let's try that one more time. Boy, if this is the one we put on our, our app, we're in trouble. With the same confidence with which we say, Christ is risen, we say, Christ is returning, give yourselves a hand. You guys did great. Tough crowd. Number two, we believe in the second coming because his story, history, demands it. Now, I, I swore I was never going to get into the one of those serial, multi-episode TV shows. You know the ones I'm talking about? But then um, I was talked into watching an episode of 24 when I was in Southeast Asia visiting some missionaries there. And, and they just persisted, and they told me, they promised me, if I just watch one episode, if I didn't like it, I never had to watch another one, and they'd leave me alone. So I sat down to watch one episode. So in this one episode, it's constant action. Uh, every 10 minutes, there's a new crisis that's developing until there's like five cliffhangers going on all at the same time. And then it's to be continued next week. And I like jump out of my seat and I go, put on the next one, put on the next one. Are you kidding me? So we watched three more. Till the uh, director of the mission came and told us that it was time for us to go to bed. And I'm like, are you kidding me? Go to bed? Don't you know what's happening? The bad guys are winning. And Jack Bauer's chained up. He's cased in concrete. He's got dynamite strapped to his leg. He's tied to railroad tracks. There's a train fast approaching during a Category 5 hurricane. How can we go to bed? I was so wound up, I couldn't sleep. And for the next five days I was there, we didn't have time to watch another episode. Soon as I got home, first thing I did was rent the DVD and binge watch the rest of it for in two days. Turns out that the star of the show, Jack Bauer, he did escape, he saved the world, and he ate all of his enemies. Now, although they stopped making new shows eight years ago, I still want to be Jack Bauer when I grow up. A Jesus version of Jack Bauer, you know? Torture people until they receive Christ. <laughs> could be good. Could grow the church. So life, history, without the second coming of Christ, is kind of like stopping 24 before the last episode. We, we tend to think that the cross and the resurrection are the finale of God's story. Although they're hugely important in God's story, they're not the finale. I mean, see, despite Christ's first coming and despite what he did during his first coming, we have made a mess of the king's world. Look at the world around us. Is this really how the story should end? The way things are going now? No way. This is God's story. It demands more. There is more. There's a finale. There is an exciting conclusion. The king is coming back. And he's coming to defeat the bad guys and make everything right. Look at 2 Thessalonians 1. God will do what is right. He will give trouble to those who are troubling you. And he will give rest to you who are having troubles. And to us also, he will give this rest when our Lord Jesus Christ comes back from heaven. The Lord Jesus will come with his strong angels and flaming fire. He will punish those who do not know God. 
and those who do not obey the good news of our Lord Jesus. And this will happen on the day that he comes. On that day, his people, I love this, his people will show how great and wonderful he is. And all those who believed in him will be surprised at how great he is. That means you also, because you believed what we told you. So the first coming of Christ paved the way for the second coming. Because God's plan is not just to fix our individual lives. His plan is to fix this whole broken world. So as good as the cross and as good as the resurrection are, the best is yet to come. Letter B, reasons to believe in Christ, that Christ's second coming is, is soon. Many, many prophecies about the end times have been fulfilled in the lifetime of many of us here in this room. Of course, some of us here are old enough to have known Moses personally, but still not making eye contact with anybody. There have been signs fulfilled regarding the second coming of Christ in the end times. There's been signs that have been fulfilled in every generation. For instance, many thought Nero was the Antichrist back in the first century. Many thought Napoleon was the Antichrist. Many thought Hitler was the Antichrist. And most recently, many think that Oprah is the Antichrist. But listen, there is something going on today that's unique. It's never happened before. There are at least six conditions that have never been in place until now that are crucial for the fulfillment of end times prophecies. And we're going to talk about them. Got to go through quickly. I wish I had time to expound on them, but we just don't have the time. So number one, the existence of Israel as a nation. See, so as, as we read the Bible, we see that events, the events taking place at the time of Christ's return uh, largely revolve around the nation of Israel and the Holy Land and Jerusalem more specifically. Well, Houston, we have a problem. The nation of Israel ceased to exist in 70 A.D. when the Romans conquered the Jewish people and scattered them all over the face of the earth. Israel was no more. They were gone. No mas. End of story. Israel was dead. For nearly 19 centuries, critics of the Bible had a field day with that. Oh, sure, the Bible's true. Sure, it's the word of God. Sure, Jesus is coming back. We'll believe that when Israel rises from the dead. Hmm. Not only did Israel rise from the dead and become a nation again, it all happened in a single day. On May 14, 1948, Israel formed a government and a constitution, declared their independence as a sovereign nation. On the same day, the United States issued a statement recognizing Israel's sovereignty, and uh, despite tremendous opposition, the United Nations also recognized Israel as a sovereign nation, and British control of Palestine was dissolved. All in one day, just as the Bible predicted 2,400 years prior to that, in Isaiah 66, 8, who has ever seen or heard of anything as strange as this? Has a nation ever been born in a single day? Has a country ever come forth in a mere moment? But by the time Jerusalem's birth pains begin, the baby will be born and the nation will come forth. And all those naysayers and all those critics of the Bible, they have been eating crow ever since. 
We're talking crow burgers, crow dogs, crocerol, manacrody, crowslaw, and those Mexican favorites, chromichangas. <laughs> that was a stretch. Croriso, croditas, and of course, tacros. Thank you very much. I'll, I'll be here all week. <laughs> number two, the rise in numbers and power of Israel's enemies. Now, the Bible predicted thousands of years ago that Israel would be the center of attention and it would be the fuse that would ignite the biggest and last world war. Psalm 83, 4 and 5, come, they say, let's destroy the whole nation, that whole nation. Then the name of Israel won't be remembered anymore. All of them agreed on the evil plans they'd made. They joined forces against you. There will be nearly a universal hatred of Israel in the last days. And a coalition of nations will form against Israel and eventually attack her. Now, have you ever stopped to, just to think about how ridiculous that sounds? Consider this fact. Israel is a tiny little country. One of the smallest nations in the world. You could fit 12 Israels in the state of New Mexico. What sense does it make that a nation so small, so insignificant in land mass and population would be the center of attention and the center of hostilities in a world so large? And yet here we are. Have you watched the news lately? With the growth of radical Islam, the power that they now have due to oil, oil revenues, Israel is surrounded by enemies with a stated purpose to wipe her off the face of the earth. Iran, Iraq, Syria, Jordan, Lebanon, Saudi Arabia, Afghanistan, Pakistan, terrorist groups like Hamas, Hezbollah, Fatah, PLO, Taliban, Al-Qaeda, not to mention Russia and North Korea. An Iranian newspaper reported that the enemies of Israel by the end of this year, we'll have over 500,000 missiles pointed at Israel. And Israeli intelligence confirms that as true. Kind of warms your heart, doesn't it? Number three, global video communications. In the last, two, the last days, two great prophets are going to appear, and they're going to give people a last warning to repent and turn to God. But instead of listening to them, they're going to be executed. And the whole world's going to see. In Revelation 11, it says, For three and a half days, those from every people, every family, from every language, from every nation, will look at their dead bodies. People will not allow the dead bodies of these two men to be put in the grave. And until recently, how was that going to happen? How was every nation going to be able to see this? until the advent of global satellite communications, the television, internet. How could that have ever been possible until now? Letter D. Are we D or are we four? What are we? Four, okay. The technology for a cash currency free world. Revelation 13. He, the beast, 
also forced everyone small and great, rich and poor, free and slave, to receive a mark on his right hand or on his forehead, so that no one would buy or sell unless he had the mark, which is the name of the beast or the number of his name. This calls for wisdom. If anybody has insight, let him calculate the number of the beast, for it is a man's number. Read it out loud with me. His number is 666. Now listen, it makes sense when you think about it, just practical sense. Cash, checks, credit cards can be lost, they can be stolen. Um, something that was embedded on our bodies, a, a microchip or an invisible tattoo, would be so much more secure, right? Um, they could be scanned and the money just comes directly out of your bank account. Less hassle for businesses, less hassle for the banks because they're not having to deal any longer with insufficient funds. And we now have the technology for that to be possible today. I, I can just see the commercials now, can't you? The mark of the beast. Don't leave home without it. Five, the existence of weapons of mass destruction. Until recently, we have not had the kinds of military weapons that could wipe away a large portion of the Earth's population in an instant, in a single hour that could fulfill prophecy made 2,000 years ago, Revelation 9. They had been kept ready for that hour of that day, of that month and year. They were let loose so they could kill one-third part of all men that were living in an hour. One-third part of men was killed by the fire, smoke, and sulfur. And then F, an army of, of, from the east of 200 million soldiers is going to be unleashed upon the earth. Revelation 9.16, the number of their troops of cavalry was twice 10,000 times 10,000, which is 200 million. I heard what that number was. I want you to imagine John as he receives this word from, from God. Lord, I, 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 thought, I thought I heard you say an army of 200 million. Um, Lord, there are only 170 million people on the earth right now. I'm not sure how I know that, but I just do. Trust me, John, write down 200 million. 2006, the CIA released a report that China had over 280 million soldiers ready for service, men ready for enlistment. And that number has grown significantly since then. So the recent and incredible fulfillment of, of this, these six signs, of these six conditions, besides many of the others that have been fulfilled, man, they, they give us even more evidence that this book is unique. It's inspired. This is the word of God. And we can trust it even as it speaks about the return of Christ. Let's go to see. Because the room got really quiet. And I think probably you have some heebie-jeebies right now. If Christ is likely to return soon, how should we live? Some of you may be thinking, hey, that, that opening video is not a bad idea, right? If the world's about to end and if Jesus is coming back soon, why bother going to work? Why bother going to school? Why work on my degree? Why pay the bills? Why take care of the lawn? Why take care of myself physically? Why have and raise kids if the world is only going to get worse and worse until Jesus comes back? I hear that from young people all the time. What's the point? Listen, if Jesus is coming back soon and these things are going to happen, 
all the more reason to live for him. Not tune out and give up. Now, I'm not a prophet, but I'm going to make a prediction that I am 100% certain about. Christ's return will be in my lifetime. For me. For me. See, although it certainly could happen, the second coming of Christ may not be in my lifetime, but he is returning for me, just as he's returning for you in your lifetime. At the end. John 14. Jesus talks about it. Do not allow your hearts to be upset. It's a good word for right now, right? Do not allow your hearts to be upset. Believe in God. Believe in me. There are many rooms in my father's house. And I'm going there to prepare a place for you. Each of you. I would not have told you this if it were not so. Read verse 3 out loud with me. And if I go to prepare a place for each of you, I will return to take you to be with me. On June 25th, 1985, Jesus returned for my brother Mickey and took him to his eternal home, which he was, he was created to be in all along. Just took him home. On September 8th, 1998, Jesus returned for my mother. On May 11th, 2016, he returned for my wife, TJ. And one day, he's going to return for me. And he can return for you. And the end result will be the same. Whether he comes for us by death or whether he comes for us by rapture. The end result is going to be the same. He's going to take us to be with him in his heaven forever. So why should we give up if his second coming is soon? Listen, Christ desires and he deserves so much better for us than for us to tune out and give up. What if things continue to get worse? So what? Our purpose doesn't change if things get worse. As a matter of fact, it just means we have to work twice as hard to advance the kingdom of Christ. We're to live to honor him, to make a real difference in this world, to expand his kingdom until he comes for us, whether that is in seven days or seven years or 77 years, it doesn't change the fact that we're to live intentionally and passionately for him. So number one, as we wait for Christ to return, live with anticipation, first of all, live with anticipation. Second Timothy 4, 8, Paul writes this, Now there is in store for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day. Read the last part out loud with me. Not only to me, but also to all who have longed for his appearing. Circle the word longed. Well, I want you to catch this really cool word picture. Back then, of course, there, were no, there was no internet, no phones, no telegraphs. And so when a loved one was away on a trip, or when a loved one was away maybe at war, uh, it was anyone's guess when that person might return home. And so each day, uh, a mother or a wife, or a child, would probably be constantly glancing at the door, or maybe scanning the horizon, looking for the return of their loved one. And that's what this describes. A continual hoping, and longing, and looking for the return of the one 
who loves us more than anyone can love us, our Lord Jesus Christ. Get Matthew 24, 44. Read it out loud with me. So you also must be ready because the Son of Man will come at an hour when you do not expect him. So question, what did the words, just wait till your daddy gets back, mean to you when you're growing up? I can see what it meant to a lot of you. <laughs> for me, it usually meant go to my room, pray to God for mercy, and put on every pair of underwear I own for padding. Every once in a while, though, wait until your daddy gets back meant something entirely different. It sounded more like this. Just wait till your daddy gets back. He's going to be so proud of you. Actually, I never did hear those words. <laughs> but I can pretend. So what do you want those words to mean? Just wait till Jesus gets back. What do you want those words to mean to you? I know what he desires for you. I know he desires when he comes back to catch you longing for and looking for his return. Motivating you to do what's right and to do what pleases him so that he can pour out his love and his pride on you and to pour out his reward on you. Look at Revelation twenty two twelve. Jesus says, look, I am coming soon and I bring my rewards with me. And I will reward each person for what he has done. I had a good friend that uh, practiced an idea back when I was in college. And uh, I, I practiced it as well, and I kind of got away from it. But since studying for this message, I have started again. But what he did is he had a, a, a sign made, and he put it up on his mirror in his bathroom where he could see it every single day. And just said two words. Maybe, maybe today. Maybe today. As a reminder, maybe today is that day that Christ is coming back for me. And what do I want Christ to catch me doing for his glory if today is the day that I see him face to face? That's a good way to start every day, isn't it? Number two, as we wait for Christ to return, live to make a difference. Now, it's actually meant to be a joke, but I kind of like a t-shirt that I saw a while back, uh, which says this, Jesus is coming, look busy. Uh, don't just look busy, be busy. Well, be busy doing what? Well, Peter tells us, as he, as he tells us the reason why Christ has not yet returned. Look at 2 Peter 3. Scoffers will say, where is this coming of Christ that he promised Ever since our fathers died, everything goes on as it has since the beginning of creation. The Lord's not slow in keeping his promises, though, Peter says. The Lord, Lord is not slow in keeping his promises. Some understand slowness. Here's the reason Christ has delayed his return. He's not come back yet. See, the reason that he hasn't come back yet is he is being patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but wanting everyone to come to repentance. So then, dear friends, since you're looking forward to this, Make every effort to be found spotless, blameless, and at peace with him. And bear in mind 
that our Lord's patience means the salvation of more and more of those who are lost. And so if Christ is waiting, if he hasn't returned, so that more can come to know him, what should we be doing as we wait for him to return? Should we not be seeking to make the biggest difference that we possibly can, advancing the kingdom of God, pushing back the gates of hell by seeking to win the loss to Christ with our deeds and with our words? You know, as, as this world seems to be drifting toward hell, we need to be intentional and driven and passionate and busy filling heaven. Number three, as we wait for Christ to return, live with hope. Listen, of all people, we should be the ones who live with hope. We should be the ones that live with optimism. Now, at times, it's going to seem like our side is losing. But we know better. We know that the battle has already been won. We know that the end of the story has already been written. And you know what the end of the story is? Jesus wins. And so do those who belong to him. Romans 8 no matter what happens, we need to take heart to these words. Can anything ever separate us from Christ's love? Does it mean he no longer loves us if we have trouble or calamity, if we're persecuted or hungry or destitute or in danger or threatened with death? No. Despite all these things, overwhelming, what? Victory is ours through Christ who loved us. And I am convinced that nothing can ever separate us from Christ's love, neither death nor life, Neither angels nor demons, neither our fears for today or our worries about tomorrow, not even the powers of hell can separate us from God's love. No power in the sky above or on earth below. Indeed, read the rest of it out loud with me. Nothing in all creation will ever be able to separate us from the love of God that is revealed in Christ Jesus our Lord. You know, if the spiritual and moral condition of our world continues to grow darker, You may not be able to change this world by yourself. But you do have the power to change the world for one person. And then one more. And then one more. And if we all do that, then yes. Collectively, as the church of Jesus Christ, we have the power to change the world. Even in the last days. Many years ago, a very young boy had never been in the city before. And he was looking out a window in London. And he was absolutely fascinated by what he was seeing outside. He was watching this uh, street lamp lighter, lighting lamps as he's going down the street. His mother comes to him and asks him, what's so interesting? And, and I love this, because a little boy with very wide eyes describes what it looks like to him. And he says, Mom, look outside. That man, he's punching holes in the dark. That's what we're called to do until the day Christ returns. We're called to punch as many holes in the darkness 
as we possibly can. Until Jesus returns for all of us or for just you, live knowing that you can make a difference. Realize that anything you do in the name of Jesus Christ is significant. Anything you do for others in the name of Christ is significant. It brings eternal reward for you. It can change a life for eternity. It honors God. It fills heaven with joy and celebration. And it is a slap of the ugly face of the devil. We live with hope because we know how the story ends. We belong to the king who is returning to set everything right. To set everything as it is meant to be. Revelation 21.4 He will wipe all tears from their eyes and there will be no more death, suffering, crying, or pain. These things of the past are gone forever. No more disease, no more illness, no more cancer, no more broken bodies, no more temptation, no more sin, no more addiction, no more guilt, no more shame, no more divorce, rejection, loneliness, no more doubt, no more confusion, no more war, evil, suffering, or death, no more of anything that robs us of the joy that God desires for us. God wins. God wins. And because he wins, we win also. So stay encouraged. Stay faithful. The rest and the best of the story will be here soon. want you to let the Holy Spirit speak to you. What does it mean for you to be ready, to be busy doing what God wants you to do? Living intentionally like the time of his return is at hand. What adjustments do you need to make in your life? And if you don't know whether you have ever made a decision to be a follower of Jesus Christ, if you're not sure you've ever prayed to ask Christ to forgive you, to come into your life and give you the power to be the person he created you to be, if you're not sure you've ever done that, would you just take a moment right now to pray to him? He's listening. Just silently, in your thoughts, pray. He can hear you. And ask Christ to forgive you. Ask him to come into your heart and life to give you the power to be the person he's created you to be. Thank him for hearing your prayer. Thank him for the fact that you belong to him and you are now his child forever. Forever.